everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast. Uh, this is presented by RoyalsReview.com. If you want to stay updated on all things Kansas City Royals, go check out RoyalsReview.com. Plus, you can find them on X. I am giving up my Twitter fight. It is X, I guess. X and Facebook at Royal Review. Um, but hey, we're we're a podcast. We got our own stuff too. If you want to keep up with us, you can follow us on X at Royal Rundown Pod. And Jeremy's been putting up a lot of TikToks lately, but um, it is uh, it's none of me dancing yet, Jeremy. Okay, I haven't uh, I haven't yeah. lost a bet I, yet. I mean, you you've lost many things, but I guess <laughs> a bet isn't one of them. That is very true. That is very true. Well, hey, before we get going on with the episode, I do want to talk about our partners. We we would be remiss if we didn't talk about them. Our partners over at Batch Elder Family Farms. Yep. They uh we're we're thrilled to partner with them, Batch Elder Family Farms, a local gem in uh, Belton, Missouri. Yes, owned and operated by Brad and Jenna Batch Elder along with their four awesome kids. Batch Elder Family Farms is your go-to source for fresh, high-quality, and ethically produced beef. What sets them apart from everyone else is their commitment to ethical and sustainable farming. All their meats are pasture-raised right on their family farm and are free from antibiotics and hormones. They have the beef for whatever dish. Thought we're, we're doing William Shatner now? Yeah. I thought I heard. Beef yes, brats, exactly. ribeye, and casey strip steaks. Even some amazing-looking roasts for the winter months. Can't decide what you want? Check out their bundles that include a bit of everything from roasts, the ground beef, and stew meat, too. Yes, yes, yes. Your dishes will never be the same with meat from Batch Elder Family Farms. So, why wait any longer? Head on over to Batch Elder Family Farms today. You can visit the farm at BatchelderFamilyFarms.com for more information and their virtual storefront. Or if you're there in Kansas City, Belton's about 30 minutes south, so you can go take a little trip and check out the farm there. But owner Brad has been nice enough to offer our listeners an exclusive promo code. That promo code is ROYAL, R-O-Y-A-L, for 15% off your entire purchase. That is a that's a lot of cheddar back for for a lot of beef, right? Right, Jeremy? <laughs> <sighs> yes, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> but hey, you can only get that cheddar back if you do it with our promo code ROYAL, R-O-Y-A-L. Thanks to Batch Elder Family Farms for supporting our podcast. Remember, by choosing Batch Elder Family Farms, you're not only getting top quality meat, but you're also supporting local, sustainable agriculture and that's a home run in our book check out their shop linked in the episode description below and use promo code royal r-o-y-a-l for 15 percent off of your order on with the royals well i think I today river bandits i i was just about to say jeremy i think uh, i think we should say on with the river bandits today because we are we have a very special guest joining us this afternoon he is the one and only kyle kirchival he is the river bandits broadcaster kyle how are you doing tonight sir i'm doing great guys how are you thank you so much for having me no hey th- thank you for joining us and it is uh it is the the post season and the off season i guess for uh for the royals organization unfortunately but the good thing about that is we can uh we can catch up with many of the of the people around the organization that are just frankly too busy to bother during the, uh, <laughs> during the season. And you are, you're one of them, Kyle, you're a very busy man up there in uh, quad cities. It's Davenport, right? That's right. Yeah. Davenport. If you want to go my immediate location, but if you want to <laughs> you know, placate everybody, you've got Moline, Rock Island, Bettendorf and East Moline in there as well. So, Oh, oh of course. Can't forget about East Moline as well. Of Essential. Hey, <laughs> hey Kyle, for our listeners, could you please tell tell them what you do for the organization up there? Yeah, so my official title is broadcaster and manager of media relations and season tickets. So as so many of us do in minor league baseball, I wear a lot of hats around the ballpark uh, throughout the season and into the off season, of course. Uh, so obviously, I'm the play by play voice for our audio only stream and for our MILB TV. 
uh, productions throughout the season. And then I also manage social media, uh, work with our local media here in the Quad Cities and beyond, and uh, also sell some some group season tickets and and stuff like that, uh, especially here in the off season. That's kind of my main focus when uh, the snow starts to fall and uh, we're not <laughs> playing baseball anymore. You have to you have to remind them of the of the opening day to come exactly. and that it's actually going to be warm again. Yeah, you become a salesperson, more or less. You know, you're advertising the sun and the fun that's going to come six months from when they're actually making their purchase. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, just uh, we don't have to talk about the on-field project. How, how are you feeling about how are you feeling about your season? Is this your second one with River Bandits? Is that right? This was my third season. Third, my third season. Yeah. So I started in 2021. Uh, that was my first year here in Quad Cities, and somehow I, I've already totaled three. It feels like I just got going uh, yesterday. Uh, but as they say in the world of minor league baseball, it's long days and short weeks, and I guess in this case, short years. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, third third season here in Quad Cities. Are you liking it so far? Absolutely. No, this is a phenomenal organization, and and obviously our affiliation with the Royals is is tremendous. We love working with Kansas City. They're they're a great a great organization and they make our lives uh, really easy or as easy as you can get working in, uh, in minor league baseball. But uh, everyone here in the front office is great. You know, it's such a close knit community and it's really more of a, of a family, which is the biggest cliche that everyone says about their office or place of business. But you truly spend, I mean, you're working 90 hour weeks throughout the season. So you're spending more time with the people in the front office than anyone else in your life, you know, and for me, I'm on the road with the team and riding the bus or being in the hotel. So uh, it's truly your family uh, from the end of March to the beginning of September. So uh, I, if, you, if you don't love who you're working with, minor league baseball can be a huge grind and a huge drag. Uh, but I, I'm fortunate to say that I, I really enjoy working with the people here in Quad Cities. And that's why the years tick by as quickly as they do. Heck yeah, that's a that's a good problem to have there, Kyle. Um, speaking of the folks that you are working with, I do. We've had the pleasure of speaking to Mister Holtzman on the on the podcast before, and uh, Nicholas Batters. I talked to John Coxes um, last week. It is um, it is a very you talk about tight knit groups, but I think the uh, I think between Holtzy and the broadcasters at each one of the affiliates, y'all are a pretty tight group. Is that is that right? Hundred percent. Yeah. No, and I have to give a lot of kudos to, to Jake Eisenberg for really starting that out uh, when he was in Omaha back in 2021. And he was sort of or the close knit community that is the broadcaster without the, throughout the affiliates was more or less his brainchild. You know, it's his idea to say, hey, let's let's work really closely together. And I think everyone realized, why would you not? Right. We're each other. You know, we're the best resources for everything on a day to day basis throughout the system. And uh, he was sort of the one who said, let's let's really dive headfirst into our weekly reports. Let's let's share information. You know, you need some game notes on this guy. You know, I got you. Who's getting called up? You know, give me give me something I can use on the broadcast about him. And he really fostered that community from the beginning. Uh, and obviously, as a broadcaster, he's, he's phenomenal. So to be able to learn from him and work with him, a real treat. And, and now, obviously, you mentioned Nick and John. And now we've got Sean in the fold. And. It's it's a it's a really great group of guys. I actually I went to Arizona State with Nick, uh, so Batters and I go back a little bit before our time uh, here in the Royals farm system. But man, I love those guys, and it's uh, it's just so great to work with them on a day to day basis and and just exchange information and just really embrace everything that is the Royals farm system. So. Should they add scout to your list of titles then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that I mean, I'm sure that's part of my that that would fall under the other duties as assigned. Uh, but <laughs> it's not something they've asked me to do yet. I don't know if that's uh, an insult or not, but haven't quite gotten that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, there, there's still time. There yeah. is still time. Well, hey, next thing you're going to tell me is you're taking classes with Alec Marsh or something. The uh, yeah. the, <laughs> a, the ASU links run strong uh, in the are, Royals organization. There are so many of them, and I'm sure every other broadcaster in the Midwest League is so sick of hearing about Arizona State. But you know, anytime I can wave <laughs> the Sun Devil flag, I will. Hey, that's a that's not a bad thing to be proud of your uh, of your alma mater. How was uh 
Listen, ASU, for, for those who aren't aware, ASU is a, a very well-renowned school for broadcast, for print journalism, and for, I would say, almost anything media-related. Um, how, I, I'm putting you on the spot here, how do you think that your time there has really uh, helped you out? Oh, it's been instrumental. I would not be where I am right now had it not been for my time uh, at Arizona State. Uh, when I was first looking at schools uh, coming out of high school, it was certainly at the top of my list um, for a number of different reasons, none the least of which being it was in Arizona and I grew up in Denver. So to get away from snow and live someplace <laughs> where it's warm all the time was a pretty tempting uh, prospect. Uh, but they were they were really just kind of on the cusp uh, in 2018. It's just sort of breaking into the the sports journalism fold, at least in terms of being a well-renowned program. Um, and to be, I sort of felt like there was an opportunity to get in on the ground floor and to really make, you know, be a part of what makes that program special. I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, but <laughs> I was there at the right time. Um, and so to, to be able to be a part of that was great. And obviously spring training down in Arizona, you know, the Suns, uh, the D-backs, everything down there, the Coyotes, there were opportunities to get involved right away with not only Sun Devil Athletics, but throughout professional sports. And, and so all those factors kind of played into my decision to go down there. And, and boy, did I, did I get an amazing experience covering Major League Spring Training really early on. I was covering ASU hockey within the first couple of months. I started uh, attending the, the institution down there. That, that's way too formal of a word, but the university. <laughs> <laughs> I belong in an institution, though. That's pretty accurate. Um <laughs> But and the, the biggest thing in Arizona State was the, the connections throughout baseball, uh, especially in the Cape Cod League, which is a spot where I interned for a couple of different years. And a lot of people in, in the broadcast world, especially in baseball, found themselves there at some point. Uh, and it was really something I wanted to put on my resume. And I was really, really fortunate that I got invited to go out there for a couple of seasons and, and work with the tremendous folks in Bourne with the Braves. And uh, it was that experience um, and in those times where I really got to live the life of the everyday broadcaster, you know, do the full grind of a summer. And obviously you're only playing 70 or so games in the Cape Cod League, but you're playing a game every day. And there's nothing that emulates pro ball more than that. So that's where I really started to dip my toe into what it'd be like to be working in minor league baseball. And had I not gotten that experience through my time at ASU, I don't know where I'd be right now. And that's uh th that's pretty you're you're taking you're taking the right steps, man. You uh let's see, you went from Cape Cod and you were you were in the Pioneer League for a little bit, if I do recall correctly. And now here you are with uh with Quad Cities for the for the past few years. So kudos to you for for always learning and uh and moving up and you're trending in the right direction, my man. Hey, I appreciate that. That means a lot. And and you know, a lot of it is just kind of being at the right place at the right time. Uh, I started in, I, like I said, I grew up in Denver and I had family that lived in Grand Junction, uh, which was formerly the Grand Junction Rockies uh, of the Pioneer League. Um, and that's where I cut my teeth in, in, in minor league ball uh, when they were a rookie affiliate. And our general manager there at the time, Joe Kubley, uh, is actually the guy who hired me in 2021 here in Quad City. So when he moved back to the River Bandits where he had spent the beginning portion of his career. Uh, and so it, I, had Joe not gone back to Quad Cities, I don't know if I would be in Quad Cities. But it, it's the, it's all about connections, right? Another cliche, which is just also true in the world of, of sports. It's who you know. And I was fortunate to make a positive enough impression on the people in Grand Junction that when they moved elsewhere, they, they wanted me to follow them. So I, I give them all the credit in the world, and I'm just so happy to be here. Heck yeah, the the River Bandits are are better for having you, Kyle. Hey, Jeremy, before um before we move on to the on field stuff, do you have any other questions? Yeah, I um actually had a couple questions about just actually doing the work, right? So I was curious if you could tell us kind of break down like what's a regular day for you uh, during the season. Controlled chaos is probably the best term I can uh, wrap it up in a nutshell, but uh, it's a little a combination of uh, of doing stuff sort of on a ticket and sales side of things, and then obviously the, the broadcast and the media relations side. So for me, you know, a lot of my morning is spent updating game notes and all of the the game day media materials. Um, you know, connecting with with coaches and Brooks, manager, you know, players, 
when they're coming into the ballpark in the early afternoon uh, and getting everything from from lineups to handling uh, the announcement of roster moves and stuff like that, coordinating a lot with Holtzy, is, is who you alluded to earlier, and and everybody in the in the Royals front office that that works on that player personnel side. Uh, and then working with the other broadcasters in the league, you know, we spend a lot of time working together, whether it's going over pronunciations or talking about the guy who just got called up or trying to figure out who's going to piggyback on Thursday. Like it's little <laughs> things like that where you you are just you're so into it on a day to day basis that people I mean, from the outside looking in, I'm sure they go, you're insane to really be that concerned about, you know, so and so's 15 game on base streak. But like that's. That's what we're in it for, right? We're all baseball nerds at right. heart here behind the microphone. So um, from a day to day, it's it's chaotic and there's there's a lot of a lot of balls in my court, but you, you learn to deal with it. And at three years now, I'm a kind of I feel like I have a decent grasp on it, you know, and sort of the, the carrot at the end of the stick is getting to call the game, which is the whole reason right. why we're here. And it's no matter how crazy your morning was or how late that roster move happened and you know you, you sit down you hit record and next thing you know you're broadcasting a game which is what I wanted to do when I was 12 years old so uh there's there's chaos but you're living the dream every day and uh I I don't I, I don't take it for granted one bit so there's there's a lot of work that goes into this before you actually get to sit down and record then oh 100 percent oh yeah the doing the broadcast is about 10 percent of the job it's it is such a small part, kids. Uh, I mean, then you've got everything after the game too, right? You're you're writing a recap and you're going downstairs because someone's got an interview, and then you've got to come back upstairs and you got to do something in the press box. And oh, there's a scoring change. You got to connect with the MLB offices, and there's just a, a million different things that could go on at any time. But if you don't if you don't have um, just unadulterated passion. Uh, for lack of a better term, then you're not going to, it's going to wear you out and you will fizzle out by June, you know? So the people that you're working with also motivate you and that they're as passionate about it as you are. So when there are days where you're struggling and it's been, it's been, you know, you're in the middle of a, a long losing streak and, you know, maybe you broadcast and turn out great that night or whatever, there's always people there to lift you up. And it's those guys who get you through the course of, of the full summer, regardless of everything that's going on around you. So you just mentioned losing streaks, and that made me curious. Do do the losing streaks affect you? Do you feel down when there's a losing streak? I, I mean, obviously the players do, obviously the fans do, but you as an announcer? A little bit, yeah. I mean, there, it, it kind of depends what kind of a loss you're dealing with, right? You know, if you lose 2-1 on a walk-off in the 10th, okay. You know, it's it's when you're down 8 nothing and you're still in the second inning and you're on your fifth pitcher and you're <laughs> like, well. Oh. It's going to be one of those games, right? Like, yeah. we're, we're going to be out of here at 1 a.m. Uh, <laughs> and the, those nights happen, right? And you, even the most passionate baseball fans on earth sit through those games and go, oh, man. Um, but it's, you know, you end up in those 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 dog days of summer and you're down 10 in the seventh inning in a game in August. You know, it's game 140 or whatever. And sometimes it just feels like it, it's not going to end. And it can be tough to get through sometimes. You've, you've gone into every... Every you've got every tool you've got in your broadcast box, right? You know, you've got your stories and you've got your anecdotes and you've you've talked about the big league club and you've you've been there, you've done that. And it's a challenge sometimes, but it's it's the opportunity to be able to call that walk off or to be able to call that no hitter or whatever comes up that gets you through some of those those tough patches. So and at the end of the day, right? I could be digging ditches somewhere. I could be doing things that are much, much harder and much more challenging than talking about baseball. Sure. So it can only get so bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. Another thing that I've always kind of been curious about is it doesn't seem like announcers ever get sick, take a day off. Is is there something y'all are doing to stay healthy or what's what's happening there? <laughs> I wish I could say there was. Um, I mean, we're... We we eat so much ballpark food, and you know our life. I have such a I have such a stagnant lifestyle. I sit way too much during the season, and I think you you burn your calories through the stress. I think you know as opposed to the actual physical activity. Um, 
but that's that's a good question and something I really kind of had to learn within my first couple of years. Uh, Twenty one was was unique in that I didn't travel with the team. It was during the the right. COVID season, of course, so it was a little bit different, and there were different restrictions. And that was sort of a nice <clears throat> first step into it. And then you know you hit in twenty twenty two, you're back to a normal one hundred thirty two game schedule, and it's like okay. Okay, I get, you know, you're, you're back to traveling again and you realize, yes, this is why this is hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to do your best to stay hydrated, right? You know, you've got your, your cough drops nearby and you try to get as much sleep as you possibly can. And I'm not screaming around my apartment, you know, at 3 a.m. You, you try to do the smart things to, to be able to stay healthy throughout the season. But I got to say, I made it through this year pretty unscathed. I mean, I remember in 22, there were a couple of times at the end of the year where I was really sick. And for for a broadcaster um, whose voice is pretty weak at the end of the day, like that's tough. Um, You know, I don't have the great broadcast voice. You know, I'm not Jake Eisenberg or anything like that. So for me, I have a nasally enough voice to begin with. And then you you put me behind the eight ball health wise and I'm in trouble. Um, So you got to do the best you can. Uh, and like I said, drink a lot of water and, uh, yeah, you, you get sick and there are, there are rough days, but you just find a way to get through it. Cool. All right. I did have one more question. Um, have you, you work as a a solo guy. You're just the only one, um, down there in quad cities. Have you ever worked on a team of broadcasters? Not on a full time quote unquote basis since college. Uh, so I have been the lone everyday play-by-play voice uh, throughout my career as a minor league broadcaster. That included in, in 2019 with Grand Junction as well. So that that's what I am most familiar with and weirdly most comfortable with. Um, I was going to ask which is easier. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a lot more fun to have somebody else in the booth with you, especially when normally you're just by yourself. Um, but it's... It, there are times when, like I said, there are times when it's really tough. You're, you know, the game is kind of dragging along and it's maybe not going so well for your team. And it's a challenge to, to be the lone guy during that and try to keep a smile on and find the pot. <laughs> um, but you really just, you learn to do it. And as the season goes on, it becomes so second nature. Uh, and half the time, I just don't even know what I'm, I'm just talking, you know, I'm just kind of thinking and talking at the exact same time. And sometimes that turns into really great work, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, <laughs> uh, and, and so you want you, you. There's no time to think and prepare, so you've got to be able to think on your feet and go. And yeah, you've got your notes, and I've got things I'm referencing, of course, throughout the game. But you try to you try to absorb as much information before the game as you can. So when it happens in the moment, you're not referencing something. You're you're just there to react and and right. go on work on instinct, which you know I've learned to trust my instincts more as I've gotten more comfortable, you know, in, in the broadcast booth, but to sure. answer your question, it's a, uh, it's a lot more fun to have a, a broadcast partner. That's for sure. And there've been a couple of times over the last few years where we've had a, somebody come up and do a couple of middle innings or we do interviews, you know, at the end of the season, we bring everybody up from the, the front office and we try to make it a little more lighthearted and talk about the, you know, the promotions and stuff like that. So uh, but yeah, I, I'd love to have a partner on a more regular basis. That's it, it gives me an opportunity to to kind of um, to not only bring them along, maybe if they're just getting their feet wet in minor league baseball, but to also uh, improve my broadcast skills working with a partner, because the, the, the further you move up, right, the, the more often that's going to be the case. Right. Cool. I, I don't know that's... if that answers your question or not. No, I, it absolutely <laughs> did. Um, I think that that's all I've got for now, Jacob. Uh, okay. So if you're ready to move on to whatever we're doing next. <laughs> yes, that is. Uh, Kyle, I did want to talk about some of the on-field product with you because, you know, just in this one season and your past three seasons, I know you have seen a lot of faces pass through Davenport, Iowa, but you uh, you kind of have to look at each one and you know, know that they are a unique player and they have their own unique story and a unique uh, pronunciation of their of their names and things like that. <laughs> that is that is all a part of the job. So I I was curious just looking at 2023. Um, how do you how did you walk away this past month feeling about the River Bandit season? You know, it, it felt like 
going into this season in April, you started with seven of the Royals' top 30 prospects on the roster. And the last time the River Bandits had a team that had that much top-tier talent in terms of your prospect rankings, you're looking at 2021, when the River Bandits were far and away the best team in the high A Central and just dominated their way to a league title. And so obviously there were lofty expectations going into this year with some of the names coming in, the the Gavin Crosses, the Cade Wallaces, the Carter Jensen. So there was some expectations to win a lot of games and to have a really top-tier offense with kind of the young guns from Columbia coming up at the end of the season. Now, if you if you follow the team and the system, you know that's not exactly what happened for the team, at least in terms of the win column. Um, but on a daily basis, the talent here in Quad Cities was phenomenal. And we saw a lot of glimpses of guys who are going to reach their potential, you'd think, here at some point. And a lot of guys that, frankly, were just starting out in their professional careers. Uh, you, you get so wrapped up in, oh, this, is guy, this guy's the top prospect, and he did this at Virginia Tech, or he did this over 15 games in Columbia. Like A lot of those guys, you think of Mason Barnett, Gavin Cross, guys who more or less, this was their first season of pro ball. And there were some struggles involved with that for a lot of those guys. But you could see as the season went on, guys are learning, guys are developing, and they're starting to become more comfortable. And by the end of the year, the vast majority of the opening day roster was in double A. And was that all performance-based? You know, I don't know how, how those decisions are made. But there were guys who were trending in the right direction and earned that call-up and, and got a chance to, to get a taste of Northwest Arkansas. So uh, in a nutshell, I think there, there were some expectations not met in terms of the wins, but boy, there were some, some great stories throughout the year. If, if Shervin Newton, Javier Vaz, uh, Tyson Guerrero, Cruz Noriega, you know, you've got everything from dudes who just showed up into the, the top 30 prospect rankings at the end of the season who were kind of off the radar to start the year. To guys like Shervin Newton, who started out with one of the worst first halves in the league and ended up one of the best second-half players in the Midwest League. And it's those kinds of stories and moments that get you through what is otherwise a losing season. That's a, that's an excellent point, Kyle. So, hey, you were talking about some of those individual players. I did want to ask you, over over the entire season, you know, you're, you're talking about how highly ranked some of these prospects are. I want to I want to put that put that aside for a second. Who was who is someone who who impressed you over the course of the of the season? Like if you had to pick someone out of the crowd, who would it be? Javier Vaz. That is 100% the first guy that comes to mind. Uh somebody who I, at the start of the year Javi said I want to be the guy that hits 300 and never strikes out. And that is pretty much exactly <laughs> what he did. Uh, <laughs> he set out to do that um, with with very little minor league experience and obviously no taste of high A up until the start of this year. Um, the rate at which he struck out was just unbelievable in a positive way, of course. I mean, he struck out, what was it, 33 times and 333 yeah. high A at-bats. Very rare. Ridiculous ridiculous stuff from a guy who was just getting his first taste of the Midwest League. And then you add on the fact that, oh yeah, he can play pretty much every position. Yeah, I think he played at every position for Quad Cities minus first base and catcher. And he looked comfortable everywhere. So you saw a guy who knew exactly who he was coming into the start of the year. You know, he he said, I'm a I'm a Tony Kemp kind of guy. You know, I'm gonna grind it out. I'm gonna be a versatile uh, a versatile player defensively, and I'm going to spark plug the offense. A guy who already knows his role, what he can be, and to watch him ascend to the level he was at at the end of the year was incredible. And uh, I think there's lots of reason to be very excited about him for the future because he, he looks like he has one of the best approaches I've seen in, in three years here in Quad Cities. And I I do want to say this for the for the listener's sake. So I've I've had the chance to to interview Javier before, and it is it is not just all all lip service or or looking at you know his numbers and seeing how great he is. The for lack of better terms, the the guy is a gamer. Like he is he is a guy that you want in your clubhouse, and he is going to get it done on the field no matter what. Kyle, I'm sure he was nothing but a positive impact uh, behind the scenes, even. Oh, 100%. And, and thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, no, that's 
he was one of those guys where if the media goes, who should I talk to? You know, you're like, Javier Vaz, <laughs> I, I have got the man for you. You know, he, he like you say, he, he says all the right things and he believes it. You know, he's he's not just acting away for the camera, for the interview or whatever. He is truly that guy. He's a gamer. He grinds out everything he does. He works so hard and he just on a day in day out basis brings a really positive attitude to the clubhouse which over the course of a full season, especially in minor league baseball, you need. Uh, and and he was a consistent ray of sunshine, but also a, a, a gritty ray of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a, a gritty ray of sunshine. I, I like that. That's a yeah. good way to describe him. Um, moving on from Javier, I do, I do want to talk a little bit more about Gavin Cross because that was one of the major... I guess, points that was made about the Royals minor league system early on this season was his struggles in, in high A and, and things like that. Um, you kind of had a front row seat, not just to his game performances, but seeing how he responded to some of that adversity and how the how the coaches were trying to bring him up through that. Um, not looking at the at the stats, how how do you feel about Cross's, you know, first full season in pro ball? Yeah, and, and obviously, as we prefaced earlier, I'm not a scout. So take yeah. everything I say with a, a grain of salt. Um, but yeah, I, I had a chance to, to watch Gavin throughout the first half of the year every day. And uh, he's he spent so much time putting in extra work and, and trying to take steps to get out of what was a prolonged slump for him to, to start the year. Um, he spent more time working individually with our hitting coach, Ryan Powers, than I think I saw anyone. And that's not to discredit anyone's work ethic by any means, but it just seemed like every time you were down at batting practice or even if even during the game, you know, Cross goes up there, works together, puts together an at-bat, strikes out. He's in the dugout and he is at the iPad talking with Ryan Powers about that last at-bat, what we need to go through. And a guy who, like I said, he was putting in all the extra work he possibly could. And a guy who really... Um, is a is a feel based guy, and that's sort of what I learned. You know, a lot of guys are trying to find ways to to use the numbers and to use the video, and he has a very I don't want to say outdated or traditional by any means, but he's very much a guy that knows when he's in a groove, he's in a groove, and it's he knows where he needs to be physically. It just feels right when he's getting the job done. And I don't think he got into that headspace enough this year for, for whatever reason. Um, but like I said, very much his first season in, in pro ball. He had a handful of games, played, what, 20-some games in, in the Carolina League. Yeah. Um, this is a big step, especially coming up and playing some guys who have probably been in the Midwest League for a year or two to start the year. So th there was a big adjustment period for him. Um, but... Though he struggled at the plate, I think he was a, a pleasant surprise in the outfield. He played center field on a daily basis for Quad Cities and, and told me at one point he surprised himself with his defensive <laughs> abilities. I'd agree. I would agree. You spend so much time talking about Gavin Cross and all you want to do is talk homers and, and you know the, the triple slash stats. But he was out there in center field sliding into the alley with the best of them and, and making great plays, which you love to see at any level. And he was second on the team in stolen bases this year. And he was a guy who didn't get on base probably as much as you expected. So I think there are lots of positives to take away from the first season. And obviously the numbers did pan out exactly as he had hoped. Um, but there's lots of reason for optimism. And if there's one thing I can guarantee, it's that he's going to put in the work and he's going to do what it takes uh, to reach the bar that he set for himself. Okay. All right. I like that. Jeremy, do you, uh, do you have any other questions about on-field stuff? Nope. I, okay. I think you, you've pretty much got the on-field stuff covered. <laughs> we've, uh, Kyle, I, we, we give Jeremy some, uh, some grief because it is a double A or triple A before you start paying attention to prospects, double Jeremy, double A. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, a lot of these guys ended up at double A. So, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> now's the time. <laughs> and you're offering insights that I absolutely am completely unaware of until you started telling me. So, you know, I love it. I love it. Well, um, Jeremy, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. I do. I do apologize. Uh, but Kyle, we were going to go ahead and talk about some of the World Series stuff 
later on in this episode anyway, since you have, you know, you were down in Arizona for a, for a good chunk of time. Um, how, how does it feel to see your somewhat local pro ball team uh, make it to the World Series against all odds? You know, it's really cool. Um, my only experience with any kind of World Series fandom growing up in Denver was a team making it to the World Series against all odds. So if anything knows anybody about the underdog getting into the World Series, it's the guy who grew up in Denver and that 07 Rockies <laughs> team uh, being, quote unquote, my team. Um, but I love it. It's great to see. And I, especially when I was down in Arizona, uh, you know, 2014 to 2018, there were some rough years in there. Uh, so to to be able to see this D-backs team at this level now, uh, you know, warms my heart for all the people I went to, to school with and that grew up D-backs fans and for all the folks uh, in Phoenix that really love this team. Um, but what a great thing to see them put together this squad. And obviously when uh, they're just sort of getting into the, oh, the Lavolo hazen duo, you know, these guys are going to make it work here in Arizona. That was just sort of kind of getting into um, – getting into headlines, if you will, when I was when I was down there. Uh, but boy, they, they put together a, a tremendous squad. And uh, although I, you know, like I said, I grew up a Rockies fan and more often than not, you're rooting against the D-backs uh, to see them <laughs> make it in is, is cool. You know, I, I'm always going to root for the underdog. Yeah, I think that's the uh, and there's no bigger underdog in the postseason this year. It feels like than the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um Kyle, if if you don't mind us hold, holding you for a little bit longer, do you mind if we go ahead and just talk about it? Uh, I've, I've probably got five or ten minutes. If, so okay. unfortunately, sorry, I got an event I got to get to after this. So I apologize. Nope, nope, you are. No, Is you are just here? fine, Kyle. Yes, that, that you are. Well, hey, before you got to scoot, uh, where can folks find you on social media to see your work, hear your voice, stuff like that? Yeah, so you can find me uh, on on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I know I got to tiptoe lightly there, uh, but at Kyle T Kirch uh, is is my handle for pretty much everything. You can find me on Instagram and and, and X and all that. So if if you want to, you know, now that the NBA season is rolling around, you know, you'll see lots of uh, Denver Nuggets content, which I'm sure Royals fans love to follow. Uh, you know, if you want the, the latest on. Uh, bands that were popular in the 1980s i've got that for you as well hey. so i don't know how much entertainment i can provide in the off season for royals fans but can you be a sports media person without <laughs> having a musical interest that is not current of course I, that, that's very accurate that's very accurate no i no it's i i'm about 30 years behind my actual age you know in terms of my physical age mentally i'm in a different spot uh, maturity wise i'm a little bit my age is older than it should be, but um, <laughs> you can find me there. And of course, uh, obviously here in Quad Cities. So in Davenport, if, if you're if you're a Royals fan, if you're a listener, please don't hesitate to stop by the ballpark. We're here Monday through Friday and come say hello. Yeah, it is a um, modern Woodwood Park is absolutely gorgeous. I have not had the chance to visit it myself, but I, I love the pictures. I, I love the backdrop. If you want to see more on the Quad Cities River Bandits on X, at least, you can find them at QC River Bandits. Um, Kyle, I assume that, you know, the teams on Facebook, I imagine, um, are, are they on TikTok? Is uh, is Bandit out there, you know, dancing around yet? We, we haven't we haven't gotten Rascal onto TikTok yet. Uh, <laughs> if it happens, I'm going to have a zero hand in that. So uh, <laughs> I, I wish all the best to whoever takes that on. But uh, like I said, as the guy who listens to 80 mus 80s music, I need to stay as far away from TikTok as possible for for everyone's best interests. <laughs> That is that is very fair. That is fair enough. Well, hey, Kyle, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Hopefully, you know, on the other side of the winter meetings and on the New Year's, we can uh, we can talk to you again before the, the season starts. How's that sound? I would love to. That's great. Thank you again for having me. And it's great to finally put some some faces to the names that, you know, I've been seeing around for the last couple of years. So great to finally meet you. And thanks for everything you guys do to promote uh, the Royals Farm System. Well, thank you very much, Kyle. All the best at your event and have a good rest of your winter until we talk again. OK, thanks so much, guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. All righty. There we go. That is Kyle Kirchival. He is the play by play broadcaster and apparently just does everything if it's yeah. uh, social media <laughs> or media related for the can River I, Bandits. Can I just say 
that I, I know that this is, we don't post much of our video, just whatever I can steal for TikTok. Yeah. But I hope everyone could hear the smile on his oh face gosh, the entire yeah. time he was talking. His smile is, is just permanently in his voice, permanently on his face. And it was so infectious that I don't know if you noticed Jacob, but every time either of us was looking at him, we were smiling too. Yeah, yeah we were. We were. He's a very, very infectious positivity. Um, I, you know, he was talking about how rough those uh, those long seasons can be. I imagine he is a very big positive impact on that uh, on that front office and that crew. Talks, so talks about Javier Vaz and his attitude being such a positive for that team. I'm sure his attitude is a positive for that team. Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure it is. And honestly, Kyle is he's really great at, at calling games. Um, it is sometimes I'm not not trying to dog on on people for just trying to learn and do their jobs and stuff like that. But sometimes it uh, it can be a little rough to watch minor league broadcasts. It, it can. That's just the fact of it. But listening to Kyle, uh, he very much ties in stories to the stats and makes every game feel like a like a different event. So, Kyle, thank you again for for joining us. Hopefully we will have him on again here. Uh, I wouldn't say in the near future, but just again, it'd be fun. <laughs> so Jeremy, we were uh, we were talking a little bit about the World Series, and I know we got a Royals transactions to talk about and stuff oh, like yes. that. Big Royals transactions. Oh, Everybody massive, get ready. Massive moves made. Um, but so unfortunate. I I say this unfortunately because I will admit I was I was rooting for the Phillies. I thought the Phillies were were going to to win the pennant, and I thought they were going to go on, frankly, to win the World Series, no matter who they I, I thought who they, they were going to win it easy. Yeah. Um, I, I blame myself. I um, <laughs> I actually turned on the game last night. No. I was like, you know what? Jacob was right when he was on something. He's like, you got to watch these games. It's game seven. I want to see some of those Phillies bombs. And, of course, I tuned in after Boehm hit his home oh, run. Oh, no. And then that was there were no more Phillies bombs. Silence. So that's Radio that's silence. my bad, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the we we know this being covering a team that that is in the Midwest. Um, whenever the big East Coast or the big West Coast teams go out of the the postseason, and it's not them going at the big the big ring or championship, all the big media always always has something to say about it. They always have some hot take, things like that. The popular hot take right now, apparently, and we talked about this before, is that it's the postseason format. You know, oh, we can't have an 84-win team having a chance at a at a World Series. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I want to get your thoughts on this because I I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, first of all, we're Royals fans. 2014 without wild card. Um, yeah. We, we wouldn't have maybe any of it because exactly. who knows what happens in 2015 without the success they had in 2014, right? Mm -hmm. um, not just like, I mean, we I think we've talked in the past about the confidence that the team built and blah, 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 but also in the moves that were made and not made, yeah. right? So if the Royals lose that wild card game in 2014, I don't know that Dayton Moore survives that winter. I don't know that Ned Ooh, Yost survives that winter. True. And then who knows what happens to the roster. Um, so wild card, hugely important to Royals yeah. fans. Um, but also I was, I was actually having a discussion with our buddy uh, Preston Farr at Royals okay. minors earlier today about the postseason, And, and he was talking about how, um, you know, the, there's nothing wrong with the postseason, and and he actually tried to say that there was no luck involved. Obviously, I think we all know that there is a lot of luck involved. You're dealing with small sample sizes, mm -hmm. um, and those are always going to offer up potential for huge weirdness, right? Yeah. Um, uh, one of the examples I used was Ronald Acuna Jr., possibly the MVP of the National League this year. Just an outstanding season. Had a five hundred something OPS in yeah. the the NLDS. That's it's 
It happens. Bad luck comes for us all. Another example I used of how good luck can come for you. Have you ever heard the name Bud Smith, Jacob? No, I've not. That's Never a very heard of generic Smith. name. There's, there, there's a reason you haven't heard of Bud Smith. He only pitched for parts of two years in 2001 and 2002 for the Cardinals. Okay. However, Bud Smith pitched a no-hitter. <laughs> Bud Smith was not a good pitcher. But he pitched a no-hitter. Small sample sizes can cause all kinds of weird things to happen. Um, so just but I don't think that's a reason to complain about the playoffs, to shrink the playoffs, to do any of this stuff. I think the randomness is part of the fun of the playoffs. Correct. It's like, okay. What, what what can you do? It completely changes the face of the sport, right? Because Zach Wheeler's out there pitching last night mm-hmm. um, in relief. His first relief appearance ever. Yep. And on short rest, it's like you got to do everything you can to win the game. And so you'll see managers managing ways that they've never managed before. Makes a very exciting product. Um, and and I I just, if you're complaining about the randomness, if you're complaining about the matchup, who cares, Zona? And uh, Houston blah, 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 or Texas, not even Houston. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. It's a terrible matchup. The ratings. Who cares what the ratings are? Yeah. Just watch some baseball. Exactly. Enjoy your sport. Enjoy two of the best teams in the world, some of the best athletes in the world, playing with desperation in their hearts. Um, and 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 it's it's fun. That's yeah. that's it. It's fun. And you know what? Both of both of these teams making the World Series is a, a great thing for the Royals mm-hmm. because it is it is showing two different approaches to building a a winning team. And trust me, Jeremy, we're not we, we shouldn't dive into it tonight. We uh we, yes, I know you are you were chomping at the bit for that. Yeah, I know. I know. But it is you have the you have the traded traded away big big name prospects and players to build a team in Arizona. You have the uh, I I want to say that people don't give Texas enough credit for how many trades and how many people that they have developed through their system. They oh, get absolutely because not. because of two massive yeah no offseason signings they I, get discredited. I have had arguments with people actually that like the Rangers paid for their whole roster. I'm like they didn't pay for. Josh Young, they didn't pay yeah. for Evan Carter. They didn't pay for Jonah Heim. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They, they paid for Jacob Degrom. Where is Jacob Degrom? Not there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta have prospects too. You gotta exactly. build from both directions. Yep. Um, one really cool thing. I don't. Did you see uh, Royal Deluxe's podcast? His his tweets about the Diamondbacks making the World Series. I did that not. Was cool to him. I did not. So. Not there's a lot been a fair bit of talk about how the Diamondbacks lost a hundred games just two years ago, mm-hmm. and now they're headed to the World Series. What he pointed out uh, was that it's not just the team; it's the players. Christian mm. Walker, Cattell Marte, Zach Gallen, these guys were all on that one hundred lost team, <laughs> and they're still here to go to the World Series. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, it should give Royals fans some hope to say, hey. Maybe some of these guys can be a part of a winning future. Uh, if they just mature a little bit, you maybe fill in on free agency a little bit. Um, probably 2024, probably not going to happen. But 2025, we should have some expectations that there's some success by 2025. The Diamondbacks have proven it. Yeah, that is that is absolutely true. And I am looking forward to... You know, once the World Series concludes and we see how that shakes out, I am looking forward to diving into that a little bit more, um, especially once the Royals can start making some more major moves. They they made a they made a couple of minor moves this uh, <laughs> this week. Oh, I know. Right. Well, it was I, I will say this. They're they're not major, but it is good to see them start clearing up the, the roster mm-hmm. because um, Josh Kaiser. They, go ahead. They did need to free up 40 man spots. Ooh, there's some tasty looking brownies on the yes. screen. Honey is honey is making some delicious looking brownies on the uh, on the other end of the broadcast. So good job, honey. Thank you very much. And I, I wish I could try rub some. Rub it, rub it in our faces that we are not near the brownies. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so the Royals 
they they announced that catcher Tyler Cropley cleared waivers, which was not a surprise. Um, and he was outrighted to Omaha, so he is not on the 40-man roster anymore. Plus, the Royals who traded for Tucker Davidson for cash, it could be a dollar, it could be a million dollars, we don't know. Um, but they traded I'm for Tucker. closer to a dollar than a million. Just yeah, I would imagine so. I would imagine. Um, they traded for him, they needed some bullpen innings, and they got him out of Tucker Davidson with little positive results. They wait or sorry, he did not clear the waiver wires. The Baltimore Orioles picked him up. So that'll be um, that'll be interesting to see if they can do something with him. Um, The former starter just did not have a lot of luck after coming from the Angels to the Royals. Um, Wish him wish him the best. But frankly, I wasn't expecting him to be on the uh, on the 40 man come spring training. I uh, I predicted in my way too early roster 2024 roster prediction uh, before the season had even ended. I said Tucker Davidson will not be on this team next year, so I am doing a small victory dance about Woo-hoo. that one, as you should. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Hey, we we take the wins where we can get them. Absolutely. Um, but as let's see, so Josh Kaiser of the of the One Royal Way fame, former Royals Review, current KC Sports Network, um, by his count, I will say he originally put out 42. It is actually 43. He amended his statement. Um, there are currently 43 players on the Royals 40 man roster. Um, so there are still some more moves to make, it, even if this team just wants to add the prospects they already have who are rule five draft eligible. Um, there are some fairly big names on there. You have Tyler Gentry, you have Will Klein, um, Kristen Chamberlain, just to put a few are the guys that he put out there. Um, so we might, you know what? We might see like eight or 10 more guys waived or, or traded away in some form or fashion. Jeremy, it's going to be a crazy winner. I think. Yeah, no, um, this happens every year, and it's not like they don't have plenty of guys that they can remove from the 40-man roster. Also, yeah. last year they showed that they're kind of willing to not put guys on the 40-man roster and kind of expose them and to see what happens. Um, the Rule 5 draft, I think, is just underutilized by everybody, including yeah. the Royals. Yeah. I know that not a ton of guys. Royals fans can point to Joaquin Soria. They can point to Brad Keller. Um, who they don't point to as much anymore, but he was still <laughs> true for a couple of years. He was very good for a couple of years. Um, and say, you know, oh, you can find success. You absolutely can. It just it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. So um, I, with the, the number, the one good thing that I have noticed under J.J. Piccolo versus Dayton Moore is that he has more of a willingness to, to not try to force his guys mm. um into the picture, right? Yeah. Um, so I think while Dayton Moore was in charge of the team, you would see guys who weren't really top prospects being added to the 40-man roster mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like, no, I'm going to keep him and we're not even going to look at the, f- the the Rule 5 because those aren't my guys and we got to keep my guys. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be less surprised than normal if the Royals were to clear... Uh, were to be a little bit more, uh, what's the word, uh, le- or maybe less discriminatory in who they remove from their 40-man roster mm-hmm. uh, in order to maybe make a play in that uh, Rule 5 draft. Yes, that's that's an excellent point. And I do, I do want to clarify this for folks because this took me a, a little while to learn myself when I started following baseball. Once they are DFA'd or if they are removed from the 40-man in any way, shape, or form, that does not mean that they can't return to the team or something like that. There are, I think there are plenty of players that the Royals will try to, that they will DFA and hope that they clear waivers and then try to sign them back to minor league deals or, you know, the minor league deal with a spring training invite and stuff like that. There are a lot of guys that, that they have to move on from, but frankly, there's a lot of guys who kind of made that decision pretty easy for them as well. So if the, Listen, we, we talked about the Diamondbacks. I remember just last year, their Dalton Varsho trade was one of the least popular moves in baseball. They were flamed for making that trade. And then they got two players who have been key in getting them to the World Series. So, you know, sometimes you you got to move on from these players. And 
and it's for the better betterment of the entire team. You know, if which I is, would rather have, I would rather have more transactional than less transactional. Go ahead, Jeremy. Which is to say that the Royals, if they trade Brady Singer and get good return for him, it's a good move. Yes. Even if you really like Brady Singer, if they trade Bobby Witt, probably not a good move. Probably not. Uh, you didn't see you didn't see the Diamondbacks trading <laughs> their stars. You saw them trading guys who were maybe good, but you know you got to fill in some holes. Yeah, I think um, I think the equivalent on the Royals right now is a is not a popular pick, but he is the man with the unstable shoulder um, who would who the Royals could move on from and get a sizable return. That would that would bum me out a lot more. Than I know it would. trading Brady Singer. Oh yes, I I agree with that. But we have we have speaking, a whole winter. Go ahead. Speaking of clubhouse presences, like. Vinny Pasquatino, as far yeah. as I can tell, is a very strong clubhouse presence. Yes, yes. I would be very leery of trading him, honestly, for that reason. Yeah, I I would as well. I wasn't um I truthfully I'm not advocating for a for a Vinny Pasquatino trade. I am just saying that if there are going to be more surprising trades of a sizable nature, then he is a top candidate in in my mind. I don't want to see him go. But it is it's hard to ignore that um some team would pay good prospects and good assets to acquire multiple years of Vinny Pascantino, I think. But it's possible, I guess. I think the injury is probably gonna scare some people off. Maybe. And being first base only. Um so I somebody like Brady Singer, I think, is is a lot more valuable. Okay. But maybe I'm just like, please trade Brady Singer and please keep Vinny <laughs> Pasquatino. Maybe I'm just being a little biased. No, I, no I, I absolutely don't don't think so. And it is, listen, we got a whole winter to speculate about about this sort of stuff. Jeremy, I, I am sorry, man. You said that there was something else you wanted to talk about tonight. Did and I, I am blanking on it. I am blanking I on talk it. about something else? <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe not. Let me let me look at my notes here. Uh, what did I say? I wanted to talk about. Oh, um, I guess I mentioned that we could talk about uh, in regards to kind of the the luck of the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. I keep thinking it's the Astros. I got that Greg Abbott syndrome or something. <laughs> um, well, it's... Uh, the, I I have said in the past that the Royals were lucky. In 2014 and 2015, um, and then other people have argued, well, everybody who wins the World Series is lucky, and I think there's some truth to that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I just wanted to kind of restate my point that I think the Royals were lucky um, in those years, not just in the postseason, but in terms of especially 2015, it turned out that a lot of guys were having their best years that they would ever have or second best years. Um, and they weren't going to be great for long. It's not like we're talking about like, uh, you know, Mike Trout's best year, but then he's also really good a lot of other years. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about guys who were just really good that year and not great other years. Um, and then, you know, the, the argument I make isn't that the Royals didn't deserve to win the World Series in 2015. They won it. Therefore, they deserve it. That's right. how that works. Um and and they almost deserved to win it in 2014. They were very as lucky as they were to win the wild card game. They were as unlucky to lose Game Seven of the World Series. Yep. Um. There were there were a couple of plays that off just off the top of my head, uh, where the the Giants just happened to have guys perfectly positioned on uh, an Eric Hosmer ground ball and on a Nori Aoki. Uh, line drive into left field um, and, and turned what would have been hits 90% of the time into outs. Yeah. Um, it happens. Sucks. It happens. But that's why when I say that the Royals were lucky in 2014 and 2015, and I don't want to follow Dayton Moore's path to victory again, is that I don't want two cracks at the <laughs> World Series. I want six cracks at the world series in 10 yep. years. I want to be consistently in the postseason because that is 
statistically, it's very unlikely that if you only make the postseason twice, that you're going to win the World Series. The Royals kind of defied the odds for that. Yes. And so I just want to be in the postseason more often so I can see my team make it to the World Series and win the World Series more often. I absolutely agree with that. Absolutely agree. And we have we have seen multiple teams build teams that have been able to reach the postseason multiple times in a row and just can't get there. I frankly, I agree that I would kind of rather have a perennial postseason team than a, you know, once every 20 years World Series winner. I know I know rings are are forever and things like that, but. You know, just uh, this this not, feeling after 106 loss season kind of sucks. I'm not tuning in to watch the banners, y'all. That's not what Fair. I'm here for. I'm yeah. here to watch my team play competitive baseball. I think yeah. that's what we're all here for. I don't think any of us are watching for the banners. So when people say flags fly forever, okay, yeah. But I would also like to watch some competitive baseball tonight. Mm-hmm. And if my team is losing 106 games... My voice is cracking. I'm going through puberty again. If my team is winning 106 games, then, uh, yeah, mm, I'm not watching competitive baseball, probably. Yep. So that's that's just where I'm coming from. Yeah, I would I, I, I would I trade the 2015 World Series for five more playoff runs that don't end in a World Series win? Maybe. Am I? It would be a tough decision. I yeah. would absolutely do it for five more postseasons that are not guaranteed any World Series victory. Okay. All right. I think that is that is a good debate that we should loop in some other people on because I am I am interested to see how with with how highly we we hold the 2015 World Series to I think I would love to hear some more some more thoughts on that. Not not putting yours down, Jeremy. I wanna I wanna clarify <laughs> sure. that. I would love to just hear some more opinions on that. Well, hey, it is um, we are running long, but that is mostly thankfully to uh, Kyle joining us for a good chunk of the podcast. So thank you again for him joining us. Um, do, do we have reviews in us, y'all? Do we, oh, do we have do. them? You do? I've honey, do you have a review? Since Sunday. I, I think Honey can come up with a with a review in a in a few minutes. So, um, Jeremy, do you mind starting us off tonight on sure. Royals Review Reviews? So I recently discovered this uh, brand new, not really brand new. I don't know if it's brand new or not, but it's brand new to me. um, So everybody remembers Wordle, right? Um, Which was a game that was invented and spawned a million copycats. Honestly, I'm pretty sure Immaculate Grid is kind of a quasi copycat of it. Um, And New York Times bought it and said, we're going to put this in our game section because our game section needs a draw. So they bought Wordle and uh, I quit playing it shortly after that. Not for any particular reason, just how it ended up. But I recently discovered another New York Times game, um, which is not really related to Wordle, but it is a fun word game. It's called Connections. So what Connections is, is you get 16 words and they fit into four groups and you have to figure out which four words create a group. Uh, so for example, uh, today's, um, one of the groups was, uh, you had the words corn, future, goodness, drummer, lady, ring, swan, heavens, Lord, mercy, past, perfect, present, cough, maple, simple, which you're not going to remember all those because it's 16 words I just read to you. Um, but you had to look at all 16 of those words and figure out what are these, what are these groups? As it turns out, uh, one group was blank syrup. So you had corn, cough, maple, and simple syrup. And then another group was like, gracious me. So that's goodness, heavens, Lord, mercy, things that you might exclaim. Um, and, and on and on like that. So you sit there and you look at these 16 words and you go, well, which groups, which, which other words do these go with? And a lot of times there's words that seem like they might go together. Um, there was one that had dishware and then it also had the word saucer in there, but the saucer went in a different group. It went, that was like flying blank. Um, so, you know, it's a little tricky sometimes, but it's a lot of fun. I've really had a lot of fun playing it. Um, and you don't have to subscribe to the New York times to play it. You can just go to the website. Um, and, and if you like word games, thought puzzles, that kind of stuff, I would recommend you check it out. All right. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Do, do appreciate that. 
Um, my review today is going to be over the Kansas City Chiefs All-22 film, um, which for those who aren't aware, All-22 is a it's a different camera angle than the broadcast. So mm-hmm. what it is, it shows more of the, you know, show, shows a couple of different angles. It shows more of the field, things like that. Um, I am going to give it a, a negative review, though, um, because it is it is a great tool. And I have I have seen much better all 22 broadcasts than what came from this last Sunday against the Chargers. I don't know if it was it's been a long time since I have been able to sit down and watch the all 22 um, outside of just clips and things like that. So maybe I'm missing out on a on a change around the league. But last time when I was, you know, watching it religiously, there were like four different camera camera angles. I was seeing, you know, the the score, the down, the time, things like that before every single snap. And it was it was very good to be able to follow along with, OK, this is the situation. This is where we're at in the game, things like that. Now, what I watched against the Chargers was it was two camera angles and I didn't know, you know, where they were in the game outside of like pivotal plays. So I didn't know what the situation was. I didn't know, you know, what time it was, things like that, which that did. It kind of threw me off a little bit. I like. Sure. I hard to judge the quality of a play if you don't know how many yards they need to gain. Right. And I, I understand folks can, you know, you can say, oh, well, you could just watch the actual game with all that and then watch the all 22. I, I get that. But, you know, it's there's only so many hours in the in the week. <laughs> and and you, um, you're not Seth Kaiser just watching film all day, every day. huh? Right. Which I don't I don't know how that how that man sits down and watches so no. much film. No, no one does. Okay, it's so good. It's not just me. So I will, I'll still tune in next week for the All-22. I am curious to see if this is just a Chiefs thing, if this is just a one-off. You know, hey, the, the crew had a bad game, which it happens. It absolutely happens. But just for a, for a first experience this season, it was a, it was a thumbs down for me, unfortunately. Um, honey, I am very surprised that you are not able to pull a review out of you, especially, you know, over your beloved Scream franchise. Um, so I guess I will take your audio time to just talk about the Phillies losing just to, just to really well, rub it in. <laughs> there we go. I got um, her. <laughs> you know what? I think I could tell you that there is one thing and has been a part of the Scream franchise that I will not endorse, and that is the TV series. Ooh, uh, really? I have not. I have tried multiple <laughs> times to get into this TV series, and I can't. Like, it's it's not. It's just not where it's at. Like, I didn't like it. I I don't like it at all. It doesn't follow, like, the Scream movie that's not set in the same town. Like, it's very discombobulating and confusing and i give it a thumbs down okay all right right. well a couple of negative reviews on to close out today's episode uh but hey that is that is just fine to watch neither of those things there you there you go perfect jeremy i'm very glad that we swayed you confirming me in the decisions that i have made (laughs) um Hey y'all! If if you're still listening to this, please please go check out our TikTok. You can actually you can actually see our faces over there. We got a couple of funny videos. It's not just all podcast clips. We we got some you know like Pedro and, and Pascal. Hopefully you know as we move into the future, we will find more and more things that aren't just pod pod podcast podcast Pl- clips pod-clasts? to put on there. Pod pod clips pod clips. I think we just came up with our new uh, streaming platform. Pod clips. All right, we're, we're we're getting punchy. I'm getting hungry. Let's go ahead and get on out of here. Listen, if you want to follow us on social media, you got the links down in the episode description. Please go check out Batch Elder Family Farms. Promo code Royal for fifteen percent off your order with them. Fifteen. Fifteen percent off. And that stew is a lot meat of too. And stew meat. Stew meat. <laughs> All right, they've lost their minds. Goodbye. Next time, (laughs) go Royals.